G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Foundations. I mean, this thing, marry this with Isaiah 55, verse 13. When Jesus was crowned with thorns, he wore the symbol of the curse that he was going to become on our behalf. He reversed the curse of sin. Foundations. Understanding the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. With Robbo Robinson and Mandy Warby. In our last program, we learned about the law of first mention. In particular, we were looking at the subject of thorns and what they represent or symbolize. Thorns are just a plant to most people, but like everything in the Bible, they have a great meaning and significance, especially when it comes to the redemption of the human race. In regard to the law of first mention, particularly when it comes to a doctrine or understanding culture or an outlook or a viewpoint, going and finding the first place something is mentioned is really important so you kind of get your head around what it's referring to as as a concept or an idea is mm. developed later on. And we looked at, um, at Genesis 37 with Joseph's dream um, where he saw the sun, moon and stars bowing down to him and his father identified mm. those symbols as himself, his wife and his brothers. And then you see that again in Revelation chapter 12 with this woman, this pregnant woman giving birth to the Messiah who's going mm. to rule the nations. And obviously it's talking about the Jewish people, the yeah. nation. But it makes it. It obviously is that because of it, what it is referred to in Genesis. If it if you didn't have that first mention, you could look at Revelation and go, well, it could mean one of a dozen different things. Absolutely correct, and that leaves the interpretation to you can make it mean anything you want, mm. because when you talk in prophecy, it's obviously symbolic, and and if you don't have anything on which to draw from for meaning, you make it anything you want. Mm, yeah. So you're right. It's absolutely important. The law of first mention is crucial. And then, of course, there's also, and you mentioned this last time, the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4, where Jesus presents the parable of the sower, and then when nobody's around to hear, the disciples say, can you explain it a little bit? And he says, well, how are you going to understand the rest of the parables if you don't understand this one? And then he explained it. So that means... In order to understand all the parables, you have to get the interpretation of the parable of the sower correct. And he explains that in that first mention. And then we also talked about that old covenant parable where during the time of the judges, it was in Judges 9, where the people opted for Abimelech, who wasn't even Jewish, to rule over them. And a man by the name of Jotham, he he told this parable about all of these wonderful, wonderful, beautiful, useful, virtuous trees that could have taken on the leadership role, but all decided that they didn't want to. They were too lazy and too slack. Mm. And so they offered to give the leadership of all of the trees to a bramble bush who Mm. was going to destroy them and choke them out. A thorn bush. A thorn bush, yeah. The word atad for bramble means thorns. Okay, so we looked at at those parables, and again, every time thorn is mentioned, right from the very first time, which is in Genesis 3, it's associated with the curse, Mm. with sin. 
But I want to point out a really special verse in Isaiah 55, 13. It says, instead of the thorn bush, the cypress will come up. And instead of the nettle, the myrtle will come up. And it'll be a memorial to the Lord for an everlasting sign which will not be cut off. Mm. This is actually like reversing. Yeah. This is fantastic. And if you know anything about Isaiah, Isaiah was always prophesying about the Messiah. Yeah. And we don't have time to read all of Isaiah 55 here, but there are so many familiar verses in this, Sunday, 13 verses long, but there are so many incredible lines in this which we'd all be familiar with. Mm. And it would be really good to just go through those just to get a, a bit of a view on this. Yeah, well, first of all, in verse 1, it says, "Who Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And then in verse 3, it says, Listen to me that you may live, and I'll make an everlasting covenant with you. And, of course, that happens through the Messiah. The covenant comes. And where do you get, you know, who, who didn't didn't Jesus say, if you're thirsty, come to me and I'll hmm. give you living right. waters? Yeah. yeah. Uh, verses 4 and 5 says, I've made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you'll call a nation you don't know, and a nation which knows you not will run to you. Because of the Lord your God, even the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. So that's obviously looking, you know, to the future role. Yeah, uh, to the nations the that the Messiah would. Yeah, yeah amazing. Not, not just for the Jewish people. Yeah. And uh, then in verse seven, it goes on to say that let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he'll have compassion on him. He'll abundantly pardon, which is a wonderful. I mean, that's really what the Messiah came for, Absolutely. wasn't it? Absolutely. That, that pardon. Absolutely. And it goes on in, in verse eight. It says, my thoughts are not your thoughts and your ways are not my ways, declares the Lord. How many times have we heard that? And yet the reason that he's so much higher than us, his thoughts, and it goes on as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways. His way was to send himself to be our atonement. That mm. is beyond comprehension yeah. for a human mind. And there's nothing to compare when it comes to the gods and goddesses of the other religions, there's none like him. Mm. Verse 11, it says, So my word which goes forth from my mouth won't return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. That is the promise of the Messiah. Mm. Verse 12, you'll go out with joy, be led forth with peace. The mountains and hills will break forth into shouts of joy and the trees of the field will clap their hands. Why? Because of the preaching of the gospel. Verse 13, last verse, instead of the thorn bush, the cypress will come up. Instead of the nettle, the myrtle will come up. And it'll be a memorial to the Lord for an everlasting sign which won't be cut off. So all those preceding verses lead to this reversal. Mm. If the thorn represents the curse, well, this is saying the curse is broken yeah. and all these good, all these wonderful trees are going to yeah. come up. A blessing will come instead of the curse. Abs- absolutely. I mean, this, I mean, you... We talk about the fact that what Jesus does is he actually became a curse. He became sin for us and reversed it. Mm. But here we're actually reading about that reversal. It's amazing. Now, of course, in Matthew, you see like at the crucifixion, Jesus, when he was crucified... He had that crown of thorns put on his head, didn't he? So well, that's, that's what most Christians think of thorns, mm. and they think, "Oh, that's what it, that's what it's about. That's all they really think about." Yeah, but that I guess obviously is still significant, isn't it, in this context of understanding what thorns are re- regarding and how the curse plays a part in it? Absolutely. Let me read to you from Matthew twenty-seven. It's verses twenty-seven to thirty. It says, "And then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole Roman cohort. Cohort that is between five hundred and eight hundred soldiers, I might add, wow. 
And they gathered around him, they stripped him, all these hundreds of soldiers, put a scarlet robe on him, and after twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand, and then they knelt down before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spat on him. They took the reed and began to beat him on the head. Now, the reed was a staff made out of woven reeds, okay? So this is not like a soft, flimsy bit mm. of grass. This was hard. And 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He made him, that is God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now when this, I mean this, you marry this with Isaiah 55 verse 13. When Jesus was crowned with thorns, he wore the symbol of the curse that he was going to become on our behalf that Isaiah 55:13 prophesied he reversed the curse of sin and instead of thorns the cypress would grow instead of the nettle the myrtle is going to grow instead of the death and mayhem and, and judgment instead of this curse blessing and life and newness mm. and restoration holiness rises up in its place and What's fantastic is that Isaiah 55:13 it says it's going to be a memorial to the Lord an everlasting sign and it won't be cut off nothing can undermine mm. what our Messiah has done in reversing the curse. What a great blessing. Isn't that fantastic? Yeah, it's such a blessing. Next time on Foundations we're going to be exploring some advice for history future. This has been Foundations, a look at the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. For study notes, resources and more, see vision.org.au slash foundations. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 